Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue on this series, uh, Not By Sight, but this is the Mother's Day edition. And so we're going Mother's Day edition this morning on this series. And so uh, you can open up your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. And this morning, we are going to actually be looking at the mother of faith. And right now, some of you are going, I've never heard about the mother of faith. You're right, you haven't, and you should have. So we're going to talk about the mother of faith this morning. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him, of the same promise. For he waited for the city which had its foundations, whose builder and maker was God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, that's just another way of saying you're really old, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sands which are by the seashore. So often we hear about Abraham being the father of faith, and we hear about what he achieved by faith and how he believed God in unbelievable circumstances. But how many of you know there was somebody by his side? Hello, moms? Sarah was right by Abraham. Abraham was not by himself, and that's why I'm calling her the mother of faith. If Abraham's the father of faith and Sarah was his wife, then she's obviously the mother of faith. She just doesn't get credit. Hello? And I honestly, I honestly believe that there's nobody who is a bigger faith person than a mom. I mean, think about it. Your mom saw you when you were born, saw you grow up into being a toddler, right? And then those you know, those awkward elementary years and then the really awkward junior high years and then high school and then into adulthood. She saw your good days and your bad days. In fact, (laughs) she saw the days when your dad's going, I'm going to take them out. (laughs) And she's going, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Why? Because moms are people of faith. Moms believe in us when nobody else believes in us. Even when our dad is saying, it's done. They're going to go see Jesus right now, right? Mom's going, no, it's going to be okay. They're going to make it. They're going to become something great. You just wait and see. Moms are people of faith. They're people of faith. And Sarah was a woman of faith, but she doesn't get credit. She's overshadowed by Abraham. And so this morning, out of honor to our moms, we're going to talk about the mom of faith. 
So Hebrews 11, 11 says this. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who promised. Because she judged him faithful who promised. See, if you go back to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and I realize that some of you here maybe have never read this before, but if you go back to the book of Genesis in the chapters, really it's chapters 12 through 21, you see the full story of Abraham and Sarah and the promise that God made. And you know what? Abraham and Sarah, they received a word from God. And that word was, it started out this way, I will make you a great nation. And all the families in the earth will be blessed through you. And then it goes on to, you will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens and as numerous as the sands of the seashore. And God is speaking this promise to a 75-year-old man and a 65-year-old woman. Can you imagine? 75. And then 65. I'm thinking, I don't know about you, uh, I don't know about you guys. I was talking about my life. If I looked at my wife when she was 65 and said, we're going to have a baby. She'd be like, no, we're not. She'd be like, there's no way. We are not doing this. Right? You have lost your mind. And you know what she also must have thought? How in the world? 65 past the time of having children. How in the world is this going to happen? Have you ever felt that way? You read a promise in the word of God, and you're like, this just doesn't seem it doesn't seem possible. How could this even be true? How could it work out? You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how, you know what, whenever we hear a promise from the word of God, we calculate it in our mind. It happens in an instant. And in that instant, we do this calculation and we spit out a response. And that response is really the biggest obstacle to us receiving what God has promised. And in this case... It was Sarah going, hello, 65 years old. People don't have babies at my age. People don't even want to make babies at my age. Some. But that's just the truth. So God shows up, tells him, you're having a baby. And you know what? Sarah did three different things when she heard the promise. You know what? I think there are things that we do when we hear a promise. You know what the first thing was that she did when she, when she heard the promise? She did that little calculation in her head, spit out a response. She's thinking, I am old. Women do not give birth or get pregnant at 65. And so you know what she did? She took matters into her own hands. And you know what? A lot of times you do the same thing, don't we? We hear a promise from God, and we all of a sudden think, I got to make this happen. I got to make this happen. I can do this. I can make it happen. And maybe it's more dads that do that than moms, but I think sometimes moms do it. 
And that's what she did. She took matters into her own hands. She took matters into her own hands. And you know what she did? She said, okay, okay, 65, this is not possible. There's got to be a way for this to happen. So, ah, I got it. Abraham, see my fine-looking personal assistant? I'm going to leave town for a little while. And you know, you guys, you, you know, right? You all know the story, right? If you don't know the story, they do what people do to make babies, right? She took matters into her own hands. And she said, you know what? It's not possible for me. So, 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 so take my handmaiden. Take my handmaiden and, and you guys make a baby and then we'll raise this baby as our own. And if we're not careful, when we receive a promise from God, we'll do stupid stuff like that, thinking, okay, I have got to make this happen on my own. And we start working stuff out, and we strategize a plan, and we start working the plan, and God was never in the plan that you're strategizing and you're working out. And then you end up with something you never really wanted. And that's what happened. See, We cannot force God's promises into existence. We can't do it. And that's exactly what Sarah tried to do. But you know what's really great? Is even though she did that and she tried to force God's promises into existence, God's promise came to pass even though she messed up. (laughs) Am I the only one that gets excited about that? That even in the midst of me making decisions and me messing up and me taking matters into my own hands and trying to make things happen and then failing miserably, God will still be true. See, and I think sometimes, moms, I think, moms, you stood on a promise and you stood on a promise and you stood on a promise and maybe even taking matters into your own hands. I know that. I wish Janet was here because I could put her on the hot seat. She's back with kids this morning. Um, But I know that with me, there's been times I've taken matters into my own hands with our children. And it's caused a bigger mess than if I had just left it alone and trusted God. Right? And we do those things. We make a bigger mess because we think we got to figure it out instead of just trusting God in the midst of whatever it is. And even if we get in there and we meddle and we make a mess, God is faithful to hold true to his promise. <laughs> I love this. Do you think that God was surprised at what Sarah did? I know. The Bible tells us he knows the first of our days to the last of our days and everything in between. He knew Sarah was going to do something stupid and still gave her the promise. And still gave her the promise. You know what? Even though we might go out and do something stupid, it's okay because he knew we were going to go out and do something stupid. The promise is still ours. But what we do is we see the promise and we see that we mess up. And then what happens is we then discount the fact that we can't have the promise now because we messed up. But the reality is, is in, the, in spite of Sarah's mess up, she was still able to have the promise. Why? Because God is bigger than us. He's more faithful than us. He's more determined than us. 
His plans are greater than us. And we need to trust him. Mm. Which is really the second thing that Sarah did. See, in the midst of seeing a promise that seemed to be good, too good to be true. And by the way, I'm trying to go fast today because it's Mother's Day, and I love you moms. You guys need to go be pampered by your families and receive all the gifts that your children are going to shower upon you. <laughs> now there's kids going, I better get that present. <laughs> but listen to Hebrews, Hebrews verse 11 the second part of the verse. Can we put that up, guys? He, I know I didn't give it to you. It says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who promised. See, when the promise seemed too good to be true, Sarah didn't go back to the promise. She went back to the promise giver. And if we're ever going to receive what God has for us by faith, when a promise seems too good to be true, we don't go back to the promise. We go back to the promise giver. We go back to the promise giver. Why? Because your faith, our faith, is only as good as the object of our faith. And the object of our faith is and always will be Jesus himself. And so we have to go back to the object of our faith. See, when we hear the promise and our mind does the calculation and says this is too good to be true, this is impossible, I don't know if this is ever going to happen, how could this be, what we have to do is we have to go back to the promise giver. In fact, Revelation chapter 12 verse 11, you don't have to put this up, tells us this, that believers, people who followed Jesus overcame by two things, the blood of the lamb, his sacrifice for us, and the word of their testimony. Well, you know what the word of your testimony is? The word of your testimony is simply reminding yourself of all the things that God has already done in your life. See, so when we're in a place where we hear the promise and the promise seems too good to be true and we don't know how to receive what that promise says, what we do is we remind ourselves of all the places that God has already proven himself faithful. Why? Because it reminds us of his character. And that's why the church is able to overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, because we're stirring those things up back up in our hearts of where God has been faithful. I had this conversation with my son. We're, we're driving. We had, we had an epic weekend. We're driving, we're driving to the annual kicking camp that he goes to in Pocatello, and we're having this conversation. And uh, I said something on... Uh, Friday night that just struck him as super profound. That's yeah, yeah, <laughs> profound. And uh, and so Saturday morning we get up. We're getting ready to go into the camp, and so we're talking about it. And he brings it up, and I reminded him of David. Right, and remember the word says that David was a man after God's own heart. And how many know David was not perfect? Right? Aren't you glad? that God looked and said, there's a man after my own heart, and he messed up really bad, right? So if God can say he's a man after his own heart, he can look at us and say we're after his own heart too, amen? And so what I was reminding Zach of was this. What did David say when he faced Goliath? You know what he said? 
he said, you know what? I have slain the lion and the bear. God delivered them into my hand. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. What was he doing? He was reminding himself of the faithfulness of God, the places that God had already come through. You know what Sarah did in the midst of going, okay, this is crazy. I made a mess. It's not working out. She went back to the faithfulness of God. She went back and she reminded herself, you know what? He's faithful. You know what? The one who gives the promise is faithful. She went back to the promise giver and reminded herself. You think Sarah and Abraham hadn't seen God do some amazing things by the time they hit 65 and 75 years old? Just go read Genesis. They'd already seen quite a bit. They knew his character. They knew who he was. And that's what we must do, right? If we're going to receive by faith the things God has for us, when we see the promise, and sometimes it seems too big, we need to go back to the promise giver and remember who the promise giver is. You know, the promise giver spoke, and everything we see came into existence. He said, let there be light. And did you know they've actually proven that light continues to expand through the universe? God said, let there be light one time, and light still expands through the universe. It just keeps going and going and going and going. All this talk about we're going to find the edge of the universe. Good luck. Because he's building it as fast as we're discovering it, and he spoke it, and he didn't say stop. It's true. See, the promise is only good as the promise giver, and he's faithful. And when we remind ourselves that he's faithful and he's good, We also need to remind ourselves of this, that he's always good. He is always good. God doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't look down and go, hey, Emdow, you know what? Not today. I'm just not feeling it, right? Aren't you glad he's not like us? And the third thing that Sarah did, and I think moms are just the best example of this. The third thing that Sarah did she was patient. She was patient. Do you realize from the time she received the promise, 65 years old, to the time that Isaac popped out? Okay, maybe, okay, sorry. The time that Isaac was born, right? They don't know exact but it was between 15 and 25 years. Talk about patience. She gets a promise, Abram gets a promise, and they wait 15 to 25 years. So you are past the age of having babies, and a year ticks by, and then another one. And another one. And each year that goes by, you're going, this is no. This is getting, no, this is not, this is not. This is not possible, right? I mean, maybe when I was 65, but now I'm 68. 
Now I'm 73. God, I'm 80. But it came to pass. Yeah. You tell them, Sully. I mean, they waited 15 to 25 years, and we can't wait five minutes for a latte. Hello? Did I really order that drink? It's been four and a half minutes. And that's the way we think, isn't it? Well, God, you promised. It's been a day. Where is it, God? Where's the promise? You said if I did X, you would do Y. And it's been a day. It's been two days. It's been three days. How about 15 to 25 years? We think we wait for the promise to come to pass. We think we have patience. And you want to know one of the key reasons why we don't receive what God promises? It's not the faith part. It's the patience part. It's the patience part. Hebrews 6.12 tells us that we receive the promises by faith and patience. And we're all good at the faith part. We're bad at the patience part. And you know what happens in the patience part? We give up. We give up. And maybe that's what happened with Sarah. The Bible doesn't tell us. But maybe what happened with Sarah was they get the promise and she's expecting, well, next month I'm going to be pregnant. And it doesn't happen next month. And it doesn't happen the month after that. And she gives it three or four months and goes, well, we're just going to have to take matters into our own hands and we're just going to have to do it our own way. But that's exactly what we do, isn't it? We get in that patience part. We have the promise. We're holding on to the promise. Like, God, we know you're going to be faithful. You know you're going to come through. And because it's not happening on our timeline, we take matters into our own hands. When really we need to step back and we just need to be patient. Can I tell you, sometimes with the promises of God, you're just going to have to wait a while. But here's the thing. Delay is not denial. Some of you need to get that in your heart. Delay is not denial. I believe that in here this morning, there's some moms, and you've got a child, and you're like, God, why aren't they serving you? And you're like, is it ever going to happen? Delay is not denial. I led my grandfather to the Lord at 96 years old after praying for him for 25. And in 25 years, my prayers changed. They changed. They changed from, God, I want to lead him. I, I want him to know you. To getting into the 90s, it's like, God, just don't let him leave the earth without Jesus. And I tried time and time Again, and every time I would try to lead my grandfather to the Lord, somebody would mess it up. So frustrating. One time we're sitting in his house, and it's just the two of us. We're just, we're just having a moment. We're just talking about life. And I start cracking open the door. 
And as I crackle and open the door, ding dong, there's another relative. Perfect timing. Right? And then they wouldn't leave. They stayed the longest time. I'm like, God, you got to be kidding me. And it seemed like every time I went to talk to him about Jesus, it had happened that way. I'm like, God, how long do I have to wait? Come on, it's got to happen. And I don't know if you understand, my grandpa was my hero. He's my hero. There's not been a man on the earth that I've loved and respected more than my grandpa. So, I mean, we're talking, it's personal, right? Family's personal, but it was really personal. But I had to wait 25 years. But do you know what happened? 96 years old. I go down to visit him. It's one of the last visits I had with him. He's in the uh, assisted living facility. And uh, it was a trip, so I got to say it was a great place, but it was a trip. The people there, man, the other, the other old people with him were just, first time I ever had a meal with my grandpa, they're fighting with each other. I mean, and they're like, I mean, they're like being rude and mean, and I'm just like, oh, these people need to chill out. <laughs> but that was their banter, I learned. They were just playing, having fun, joking with each other. And I didn't understand it, but, man, it seemed tense. You know, they get that old, that stoic face. You know, it's one thing to have a stoic face when you're 30, 40, 50, but a stoic face on a 90-year-old, it's intimidating, (laughs) right? They've had a lot of life. We had dinner, and at this time, he, he wasn't getting around real well, so he was in his wheelchair, and, and the the nurse wheeled him back to his room and I just walked along behind him and and God in a moment just opened the door. And this nurse looks at me and goes, your grandpa tells me that you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah. And I'm going, okay, where is this going to go? When people say that you're, you know, ask, are you a pastor? It goes one of two ways, typically. And she looks at me and she goes, you know, got this problem in my family. I wonder if you could help me out. And she starts explaining the problem. And she's explaining the problem. And all I'm hearing is the message that I preached the Sunday before. It's the answer to her problem. So I just started preaching to her. And as I'm preaching her my message for the second time, my grandpa, who is now in his bed laying down, just perks his ear up. And I'm like, he's paying attention. Is this the opportunity? He finished. She said, thank you. She left. And I looked across the room at my grandpa laying in bed. He looked at me, and I looked at him. I said, what about you, grandpa? What about me? I went over and I sat down on the edge of his bed. I just leaned over in one arm. I was like this. I'm just looking at him eye to eye. I looked at him and I said, Grandpa, I said, you always said one thing when I was a kid about Jesus that I've never forgotten. He said, you would always tell us there was only one perfect man in the world and look what the world did to him. I said, so I know you know who Jesus is. 
But I want to know, is he your Savior? And he just looked at me. And I looked at him. I said, Grandpa, would you like to pray to receive Jesus right now in this moment? And he, he nodded his head. I said, you just pray with me, Grandpa. So we prayed. I left that night. I uh, <laughs> happened to be on this particular trip. Details you probably don't need to care about, but I'm going to tell them anyway. On this particular trip, they had given me a, the rental car company had given me a Mustang convertible. It was awesome, <laughs> except the fact that I was by myself. <laughs> it would have been, really, been really nice to share it with Janet, you know. Every time Janet and I go and we get a rental car, like, yeah, we got to change it. You're getting a minivan. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm done with that season. So I drive back to my hotel, and I get up the next morning, and I'm just like, yes. It's a great day. The sun was shining. It was wintertime, so it was a little cool. But I put that top down anyway. <laughs> and I'm driving from literally Temecula, California, back to where my grandpa lives in Hemet. It's a beautiful sunny day. There's hot air balloons coming up. I'll never forget them. I'm driving up the highway, and I see these hot air balloons coming up. And as the hot air balloons are coming up, I'm just going, God, you're so good. And in that moment, I heard this voice. He doesn't really know Jesus. It didn't really happen. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You're a liar. I know that it happened. He knows what he did. And I just started speaking to that. And I get to his place. We, he's having breakfast. We're hanging out a little bit. And another family member comes to visit. And another family member comes to visit as I get a phone call. So the family member's coming in. I'm going out. I take the phone call. I'm on the phone. I finish the phone call. And I'm walking back into his room. And in his room, he kind of had a hallway. And then it kind of opened up into his room. And I could hear that he was talking to this family member. And please forgive me, I was being a little snoopy. So I crept in the room to listen. What are they talking about? And you know what was happening? My grandpa was sitting on the edge of his bed. He's looking at this family member. And he tells them, I just want you to know I'm not afraid to die. I prayed with Jason last night, and I know I'm right with Jesus, and it's okay to go home. Can I tell you, I tried to make that happen for the longest time. But the moment I just said, you know what, God, I trust you. I know it's going to happen. There was a window of opportunity where the window opened up, and I just had to step through, and it was easy as pie. You know what? I think the same is true with Sarah. She tried to make it happen. She tried to work it out. And in the process of time, God opened up an opportunity and she conceived and bore a son. And it was so easy. Moms, this is my encouragement to you this morning. I know some of you have been holding on to a promise for a long time. I know there's children you've believed over. And you're believing that they will serve. They will serve the God that you serve. I know there's situations that you just want to see change so desperately. Or maybe even battles that you face. This is my encouragement to you today. 
the opportunity is going to happen for it all to fall into place. And you're not going to have to work it out. You're not going to have to figure it out. You just have to trust him faithful who promised. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are faithful who promised. Father, right now, I know there's moms here. God, there's dreams that they've let go of. Because it just didn't seem like it was possible. There's loved ones that have been believing for you to, for them to serve you. God, there's even there's even things they've sacrificed for the benefit of their families. God, things that you put in their heart that you want to fulfill. And Father, this morning, I thank you that you are still at work. You're still working out every single detail. God, you're going to make those dreams and those promises come to pass. And Father, I pray for strength for every mom that is holding on to a promise that is yet to come to pass. And Father, I declare not only do they have faith to believe, but they have the patience to receive. God, they have the patience to receive, God, that the delay that they've experienced is not denial. The promise will come to pass. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. You know, this morning I mentioned the, the story of my grandfather coming to Jesus. And I have to ask the question, just like I had to ask him, where are you with Jesus? Have you accepted the sacrifice that he made for your sin and your failure? Have you received the promise that he has for you? That he would set your life right. He would change you. And he would forever set your eternal destiny. I have to ask, where are you at? And I want you to know today that if you're in a place where, you know what, you you know that you're not right with Jesus, but you know that today's the day that you want to make it right with Jesus, that you want to enter a relationship with him. I want you to know he loves you. He's crazy about you. And you'll never get condemnation in this place. But you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I want that relationship with Jesus. I want to start that. If that's you, in a moment, we're going to pray together. And as we pray together, I'm just going to ask you, say the prayer that we pray together with all your heart. Church, will you stand with me? Let's pray together. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you endured the cross in its shame for me. That you paid the price for my sin and my failure so that I could have an incredible relationship with you. That my life could be new. That I could have a fresh start, a new beginning. 
then I can have a true, genuine relationship with the God of all creation. I ask you into my life today, Jesus. I thank you for forgiving me. And I accept the promise that you purchased for me. The Bible tells us that every person that calls on the name of the Lord, there's a supernatural process that takes place on the inside of you. That Literally, there's a part of us that isn't alive, but when we call on Jesus, that part of us comes alive. And you recognize it because all of a sudden, things that once were so appetizing, they start to change. All of a sudden, you open up the Bible and it makes sense for the first time in your whole life. I've read it a hundred times or five times and it never made sense. And now I open it up and it makes sense. It's because there's a part of you that's come alive. But the Bible also says that whenever somebody calls on the name of Jesus, that something supernatural happens in heaven, that literally all the angels of heaven, at that moment, they literally throw a party. They literally celebrate, they shout, they scream, they rejoice at what happened. Why? Because it's one of the greatest miracles that does happen. A person coming to new life and entering into a relationship with the one that breathed life into them initially. So if you're here this morning and you did that, you you said that prayer this morning and you meant it from your heart, we want to celebrate with you. But we not only want to celebrate you, we want to help you get a start in this new life. So we have a gift that we want to give. So in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I'm going to ask you if you said that prayer just to slip up your hand. I don't ask you to slip up your hand to embarrass you. You're around family here. We're excited for what you did. I ask you to slip up your hand because there's power in saying, you know what, I am following Jesus. And if you can't slip up your hand and say you're going to follow him here, you'll never follow him out there. You're with family here. The other reason why I ask you to slip up your hand is because we want to rejoice with you. We want to celebrate with you. If you haven't figured it out, we're a little rowdy around here. And you know what? We like it that way. So would you do us the honor of letting us celebrate with you? So church, when I get to three, we celebrate. When we get to three, if you said that prayer and you meant it for the first time, slip up your hand. One, two, it's a brand new day for you. Three, anybody like that at all? Father, thank you. Right here right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord. God, you're so good. You're so good. Father, right now, I just pray for those that raised their hand in here this morning. God, I thank you that today is a fresh start. Father, your word says the old things have passed away and all things have become new. God, I thank you that they're entering into a new season of life. God, that you're literally going to take them from this point and their life is going to go and become something they never dreamed possible because you're good. And God, I thank you that they're going to know your goodness in ways they never dreamed possible. Father, we just praise you and we celebrate today. We thank you, God. Thank you, God. And if you lifted your hand this morning, we will have someone that's going to be bringing you a gift. We call it the Fresh Start Kit. They can explain it to you. But it's our gift to you. We're just excited about the decision you made. Church, can we just take one more moment and just sing together one more time? Just celebrate God's goodness before we leave. Let's worship one more time. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about Rivers Edge Church, 
please visit our website at visitriversedge.com, where you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.